0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and
1: more. Bryson DeChambeau, Van Lahiri, Charles <laughs> Howell III, Paul Casey, take a bow. They've dominated at Doral, and they are the Live Golf Team Champions for 2023. Pure box office. Did you hear about the Crushers winning the Live Team Championship? Nah, me neither. feels to me that the so-called merger between the USPGA and the Saudi-backed Rebel Golf League left most of us assuming that this would be the final year for Greg Norman's disruptors. The curiosity factor gave way to a bit of a meh factor. Only thing is, that deal, that merger, it's looking increasingly shaky. So is it in jeopardy? What would that mean for Liv? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Brendan Quinn writes on golf for The Athletic. He has gone deep on the situation with Liv because as we're about to find out what sports fans thought was the end of golf's so-called war might just be the start. Brendan, I think most Australian sports fans would have thought that the dispute between Liv and the USPGA had been settled back in June. Can you just remind us of what that deal was and how it was expected to kind of shape the sport of golf?
0: Yeah, it was the deal that shook the summer. The the PGA Tour entered into a business arrangement with the Saudi Public Investment Fund that would essentially create a for-profit entity that the PGA Tour would put all of its assets in. So that's everything from its actual competitive product to all of the properties that it owns. While the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, which is the Sovereign Wealth Fund of, of Saudi Arabia... Would infuse that business with three billion, whatever you know. Some numbers were thrown around, but you, let's say, let's say, for the sake of argument, three billion. That would would work as the investment fund and allow that business to grow and the PGA Tour to expand. Whether all kinds of scenarios were thrown out, maybe the PGA Tour would buy uh, the PGA of America. Maybe it would buy the LPGA, right? So th- this is what it was kind of being presented at the time, as this new business entity.
2: We've recognized that together, we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart.
0: All the lawsuits were dropped between the tour and the public investment fund. And finally, there was supposedly going to be kind of a unification of professional golf.
2: You know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella.
0: Within that, the assumption by many, and this is one that was promoted by plenty of back-channel voices from the PGA Tour and otherwise, was that Liv would cease to exist. Because what need do you have for Liv if the PGA Tour is now getting the investment that the Public Investment Fund was previously putting in the lip. It it served its purpose, right, of getting the tour to the table with the Public Investment Fund. Now that deal is apparently uh, not quite as firm
1: as we originally thought. Yeah, when you've got the head of the Saudi PIF and the PGA boss giving dual interviews, selling peace, it would have felt finished. And why has it sort of shown to be far from the case from what you've seen as a reporter?
0: you know, this is a lot of it depends on, on who you ask, on why the framework agreement between the PGA Tour and the Public Investment Fund is coming undone a bit. For one, most notably, the PGA Tour is fielding other investment opportunities that could be in response to the Department of Justice in the U.S. calling the deal with the Saudis into question, that you'd have a kind of United States institution that is the PGA Tour going into business with the Saudi Public Investment Fund. Obviously, the, the optics in the U.S. Uh, are, are tough for the PGA Tour, especially after a year of playing the morality card.
2: I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me, the lost loved ones and so my heart goes out to them, and I would ask you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour?
0: The PGA Tour has embarked on fielding other offers. Uh, some have already come and gone. Others are still in, in talks. Uh, the Fenway Group which owns the Boston Red Sox and many other professional sporting teams where Jay Monahan the commissioner of the PGA Tour used to work is still in talks with the PGA Tour as far as we know. And the big question right now is, you know, if the tour takes other investments, where does that leave the, the the framework agreement? And do the Saudis have any interest in partaking in a deal that that they are not the kind of sole investor? But basically, the, the fact that the deal isn't done is not, a, a, is not good for the long-term future of the deal. And just based on conversations that I've had, the, the talk has kind of gone from, oh, there might need to be an extension of the cutoff date in, in this framework deal to – there might not be
1: even a reason to extend it. Wow, it's quite a development. I mean, you were at the final Live event of 2023. You were on the ground, and many thought that would be the final edition of the Rebel Tour. What was your sense at the venue about whether it was the end of Live Golf or just kind of the start of a new chapter?
0: Look, I mean, Live in person is still, at least in the U.S., I know that the the product scene in Adelaide, the, the Live event held there was a... Massively attended, wildly successful kind of attraction and and you know live events here in the state, they just kind of come and go. No one seems to know that they're happening. No one's really there. the The crowd
1: is sparse. Vito Pereira for Totoquey for his part, and he rolls out in gently.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, it's the most extravagant build-outs that you see. They are still, you know, producing what is a massive sporting event, which costs many, many, many millions of dollars every single time they put stakes in the ground on these golf courses.
2: Range Ragecoach Taylor yeah! One
0: of only Five players, or the crowd love him, don't they? What was kind of notable about this one is, like you said, you know, three months ago, people thought this would be it. Live would see its end at Trump Doral, of all places. Instead. Being on the property with Lib officials and sources, and talking to people there, you know, they say with with the with the fragile state of this framework agreement right now, it's full bore ahead. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we're well, going into 2024. One of the teams to look out for surely has to be Torque as yeah. well. And they may go from strength to strength next year.
0: At one point, standing kind of looking over the scene with with a source, kind of with knowledge of, of where this investment is going for the public investment fund and its relations to live, just kind of looked right at me and said, "You know, I, I think we're going to double down." Um, as far as we know, the, the public investment fund has already put about a billion dollars into LIV. Any thoughts that they were just going to, you know, pack it up and say, well, you know, we, we put in a good fight, that really doesn't happen for an, a, a sovereign wealth fund that's worth over $700 billion. If doubling down means putting two billion more up, so be it. It's not a big deal, really, except for the fact that what that figure would mean in the golf landscape could be seismic. I mean, if you think of the disruption that LIV is already, created the the thought of doubling down and the numbers that that might mean and is there another wave of players coming and are are there lawsuits (laughs) you know that we haven't even considered yet who knows but I, I think everyone kind of went from feeling like the most controversial story in golf was concluding and instead I left Trump Doral saying They might just be getting started in terms of kind of the the, the chaos that can be created.
1: Where does Greg Norman sit within all of this? Because the assumption was when the so-called peace agreement was settled was that he was going to be squeezed out. We didn't hear anything from him publicly. And this event that you're at was the first time that he was effectively talking to the media. What was he saying about his own future and the future of Liv?
0: Yeah, if you remember back to June, after the framework agreement was signed, PGA Tour officials were called to testify in front of the U.S. Senate. Today's hearing is about much more than the game of golf. It's about how a brutal, repressive regime can buy influence, indeed, even take over a cherished
1: American institution
0: fielded all these questions about the deal with the Saudis and and what's gonna happen with Liv and et cetera, et cetera. And a, a PGA tour official just flat out said like Greg Norman's disposable. If we are able to move to a definitive agreement and it's approved, the LivGov assets for which Greg Norman's currently the commissioner We'll move into a new subsidiary, PGA Tour subsidiary, controlled by the PGA Tour. We have a complete infrastructure in place to manage events. So just to be clear, he's out of a job. If we reach a definitive agreement, we would not have a requirement for that type of position. There was never a counter message from Norman, from Liv. From anyone, it just that, you know, a line kind of that almost combative was just said with with really no slapback. Well, now, at Trump Doral, myself and a couple of the reporters were in a second floor conference room uh, to speak with a live official when in walks Greg Norman. And he sits at the table and ended up spending a pretty brief 10 minutes with us. And he said that all along, he knew that the truth, as he put it. That Liv was never gonna go anywhere, and that he his position was never in danger. And and is whether that's true, who knows? But this was what he said to us that day, and also said, We're gonna keep adding players and we're gonna keep growing this thing. You know, since then Liv's executive uh, leadership has firmed up. There's a, a now full-time CFO hired. I was told there's more C-suite hirings coming in the next few weeks. It looks like a position of power, for lack of a better term. And Greg Gorman is, as far as I could tell, right still in the middle of it. You know, the big question though is still what happens with the framework agreement? Does the tour end up taking investments from outside groups and and kind of turn this back into a PGA tour versus Liv situation? And and what kind of money would it even have to get into another go-round of player retention? There's so many rings in the tree when you when you dive into, you know, how this can go. But I'll put it this way. In June, I thought Greg Norman was done. <laughs> and I was really curious what was going to happen to well, him. Today, I, I'm i not
1: so sure. <laughs> Sounds like there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge just yet. (laughs) Brendan Quinn writes on Golf for the Athletic. We're looking forward to seeing what happens with this framework agreement come December 31. Brendan, thanks so much for taking it all apart for us.
0: Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thanks so much.
1: Headlines. The NRL has released its official men's and women's draws for 2024 and perhaps the biggest change is that the Women's Origin Series will be expanded to three games, up from two. In the men's, Melbourne, Parramatta and South Sydney arguably have the toughest draws for the season. The Storm will play 12 times against teams from last season's top eight. They'll also play Penrith, the Warriors and Brisbane, also known as the other top four sides from 2023, twice. Para and Souths have 13 games against top eight teams and they didn't even play finals this year. For a full breakdown, go to abc.net.au slash sport. In the AFLW, the stage is set for week two of the final series. Fairy Tale team Sydney heads to Adelaide to play the Crows, who are coming off a loss to Brisbane. While reigning premiers Melbourne hope to recover from a defeat to the Kangas as they host Geelong after the Cats thumped Essendon. If you want more detailed, thorough analysis and let's face it, who doesn't, get the W Podcast with Shani and Sam. It's an excellent women's footy combo. Get it on the Listen app or wherever you get good pods. Cricket and India heads to the World Cup semi-finals unbeaten after thumping the Netherlands by 160 runs. Saras and K. R. both scored hundreds as they posted four for 410. Rahul's ton was the fastest in Indian history. It came off just 62 deliveries. Both will next play New Zealand on Wednesday evening for a place in the final Australia need to knock over South Africa if they want to grab the other spot in the Tournament Decider. For your weekly cricket analysis, you can get Grand Sound Cricket Podcast. It's normally with Court Middlemass and Ed Cowan. Special guest co-host Xavier Doherty, a World Cup winner himself, is joining Eddie Cowan this week. Get that? Wherever you get good pods. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Channel 7, CBS and CNBC for the extra audio used in this episode.
2: Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.